0: (laughs) I just, you know, this church is so awesome. It is such an awesome church, and I am so grateful to be a part of it. Um, I have been, we have been through a lot the last three weeks, four weeks, and I have sensed your prayers. I have seen God's hand from the very beginning of this journey that we're on, and it's been awesome. And one of the things that, well, those of you who know me know that I am the more uh, timid of the group, Alan is the more outgoing, I'm the one that sits back and watches and supports him from behind. And he has his own little ministry. And uh, this whole thing has impacted everybody, it's impacted this church. He has people out in the community, you know, his little banana ministry that he has. The people at Seder Brothers are asking me all the time about how he's doing, and I have become the banana lady now. <laughs> and um, the little man at the service station, uh, they came to see him when he was in ICU, and they are so impacted by his life. And even in the hospital, um, when he was so, so um, asleep, they had to wake him up, and they had to do it with pain. And even in his pain, he would yell, but he did not swear or use any bad language. And people would talk to me about how gentle he was, that even when they hurt him, he would try to gently push them away. He didn't thrash around or hit or anything. And his witness, he's been witnessing through this whole thing. <clears throat> and, you know, we're going to be t- tried and tested. And uh, this is our, our trial right now. And... Um, Always before, when I have gone through some hard times, because of my temperament, I have gone to the negative, And I would get very depressed and very moody and very sad. And, and I determined on this one that I would not. That that's where Satan wants me to go. And if I'm going to believe God and if I'm going to walk in his way, I have to really walk in his way. And so I decided that my Bible says, be not dismayed and to not be troubled and um so i have clung to that and one of the this is also a prayer request because one of the things that i do when i go through these times is i go to the fear and i sink in fear and i decided this time i'm not going to give the devil an inch he's not going to get an inch so every time a pastor saw me crack a couple of times but uh, your prayers pulled me out of it i have not gone into the fear and I'm just watching God work this whole way. And right now, um, Alan started rehab this week, and um, he needs your prayers because he's in the fear and his fear is grabbing my heart. So um, he's so terrified of falling again that he has a death grip on anybody that hangs on to him. (laughs) And he's just, he's very much afraid. But he is he is responding. He is talking. Pastor got some words out of him this week, and he's very alert in his mind. He's just not um, totally bringing the words the mind to the words yet. Um, But I have lots of hope, and I'm building a testimony that I'm going to share. And I'm telling God three months. Three months. Um, But I'll be back up here and I'm going to start at the beginning and I'm going to share with you how God's hand has worked each and every step. So thank you guys. Thank you for continuing to pray. I need every bit and Alan does too. And I just want you to be encouraged because God is not asleep and he's uh, very much with us. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Lori. We We were called in by the family for an anointing service. And we couldn't wake him up to have the anointing service, but we had it anyway, and he really rallied right after that. And the Lord really blessed, continues to bless. So pray for Alan and Lori and the family. Sometimes you have in your mind that things are supposed to go this way, and then all your plans get messed up, don't they? And I'm sure that in their plans, they were not expecting to spend Thanksgiving time with a loved one in the hospital. But these plans can change very quickly. That happened to me once in a church. In fact, this is the first church I ever pastored. Sydney, Nebraska. Way out in western Nebraska. If you're a Cabela's fan, that's where Cabela's originated. It was in Sydney, Nebraska. And I remember the very first year that I was there. In fact, I was there just a matter of a few weeks they would already had scheduled an evangelistic meeting. All the brochures had been sent out. All the advertising had taken place in the newspaper and on television. It was a really a big event for such a small town. And it got right up to the day before everything was to appear. Everything was ready except for one thing. No evangelist. He got sick and ended up in a hospital. This is actually the inside of that church. Now, you have to project things up on the wall. They don't have a screen. They can't afford a screen there. Well, he got sick and he ended up in the hospital. And then you go, well, what do you do now? You've advertised. So I called up the conference president and I says, what do I do? And you know what he said? You do it. (laughs) Thanks a lot. I've never had a meeting like that before in my life. I, had, I, I just couldn't believe what was taking place. It didn't go according to my plans. Proverbs 19, verse 21 says this. There are many plans in a man's heart. We have a lot of plans. We have plans for our church. We have plans for our families. We have plans for everything. What I'm going to do today, what I want to do next week, what I want to do in the coming month, in the next year. We're already planning in this church things to take place in the coming year. But sometimes they just don't work out. We've got many plans in our heart. But Solomon knows when he wrote this that sometimes plans aren't carried through. So he continues on. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless. The Lord's counsel, that will stand. It's the plans of God that will stand. Sometimes you know His plans don't go according to our plans. Sometimes we scratch our head and we think that something should happen and it doesn't. What's going on? Well, no one, first of all, need to tell you is that no one can mess up God's plans. Let's be thankful for that. Because if he says something is going to be carried through, it will happen. Solomon says this in Proverbs 21, verse 30. There is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. What he's saying here is that I can come up with all kinds of things when I think that God's plan is not going to work. And there isn't any wisdom that I can come up with. And my understanding is all messed up anyway. And I can't give God any counsel. So why do I waste my breath and try to tell Him what to do? I, I say, God, this is what I want to happen. And it doesn't seem to take place. Don't you understand, God? This would make me happy. What's going on now is not making me happy. It's making me sad. I can't can't comprehend what's taking place. So coming up with our ideas and trying to change God's plans to go a different way, it doesn't work. Go to John 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. That's God's plan, isn't it? And we often sit here and say, Amen. That's right. Until... God adds a little more information to his plans. For example, what he told Daniel in Daniel 12, verse 1. At that time, Michael, who's Michael? Jesus. Jesus shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble. Such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. We want Jesus to come. He's prepared a place for us. And he, he says he's going to come again and he's going to take us to that place. We're saying amen to that. But then when he tells his prophet, when he gives information of what's going to happen just before that takes place, and he says, but I want you to know ahead of time, there's going to be a time of trouble this world has never seen. And you're going to go through it. And we're going, whoa, wait a minute, God. I want to be in heaven. I want everything to be okay. But now when I read this, my heart starts pounding. Time of trouble? I don't want to go through trouble sometimes. Isn't there another way? Remember, we just looked and says, don't sit there and try to reason with God and try to talk Him out of, of His plan. Because it won't work. Isn't there another way? I've even heard some church members say, "Well, I hope I die before that time comes. used to have a lady call me up every day and say, Have you heard the news? I hope I die because Jesus is going to come. Oh, man, lady. Watch out what you're wishing for. It might happen. We get upset when God's plans override our plans. We think we know what's best for our lives. But we don't want to go through uncomfortable, horrible times in order to get from point A to point B. And it says that there's trouble, there's a time of trouble that's going to come such as this nation is, this world has never seen. And we forget to read the rest of the verse. It says, in that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. That should be the point that gives us comfort. God says, look, I'm letting you know ahead of time, this is what's going to happen. This is what you're going to go through so you can expect it. You know it's going to happen. It's part of the plan. But I want you to know, I want you to be comforted with the fact you're going to be delivered. You're going to make it through. So why do we panic? If that is his ultimate plan is to deliver his people, why do we fear it so much? Got to go back to the Garden of Eden. The issue goes back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The serpent told Eve that she that if she ate the fruit, her eyes would be open and she would be like God, knowing good and evil. The implication of this is that by eating the fruit it would make her wise enough to choose and plan for herself her own course in life. She doesn't need God anymore. She doesn't have to follow His plans. I know what's best. I know what's good. I know what's bad. I don't need Your counsel and Your plans anymore, God. I'm going to do it my way. And ever since then, the human race has clung to the idea of making our own plans and pursuing our own agenda apart from God. Oh, if it coincides with my plans and everything makes me feel good, that's okay, God. I'll praise you for it. But if it doesn't go the way I think it should go, you're wrong, God. This is the type of thinking that Jesus was dealing with when Jesus knew that the religious leaders were going to reject him. He made this comment in Luke 19, verse 14. We will not have, this is what the Pharisees are saying, the religious people are rejecting him. We will not have this man to reign over us. Their plan, Jesus didn't fit in their plans. In fact, the plan that Jesus had and what they wanted was so opposite that they knew that they didn't want to follow Him. Their way is the best. So what about us? Are we any better than the Pharisees? We always say we want your will to be done, God. And again, we say that as long as everything is great. But when something changes within our life, and it doesn't happen the way we think it should happen, and we begin to feel the the things within our life is not right, and we're worried, and we're fearful, and, and we just don't know, guess who we blame? Must be your fault, God. Why are you punishing me? So we aren't any better than those leaders back in Jesus' day. Ministry of Healing, page 479. I like what it says here. Too many in planning for a brilliant future make an utter failure. Let God plan for you. As a little child, trust to the guidance of him who will keep the feet of his saints. God never leads his children otherwise than they would choose to be led. If they could see the end from the beginning and discern the glory of the purpose which they are fulfilling as co-workers with him. We have these plans that we think should take place, but sometimes it just doesn't work, and we blame God. But really what this is saying is is that God's plan is best. It will carry through. The ultimate outcome will be good in God's plan, not evil. And when his plan is good, I've got a choice. Do I want to follow his plan, which will get us through? Or do I want to follow my plan because it feels good? My plan doesn't work. And it says here that what I need to do is I need to quit looking at just what's taking place in my life here, I need to see the bigger picture. If I could see what's taking place around me, then maybe maybe things would be better. Maybe I would trust Him more. I can't see the future. You can't either. Well, there are people that say, oh, we... We've got this power we can see in the future and we know what's going to take place. Don't believe them. I can't see in the future and you can't. But God can. And he says, look, I've already promised you that I have a place already prepared for you in heaven. And I'm going to come again. I'm going to take you there. And I've said that you're going to have to go through some rough times. You've got to trust me. Because this world is not going to like my plan because it doesn't go with what they think should happen. So you're going to go through a time of trouble. It's going to be a rough time. But I'm going to get you clear through because I said it would happen and my plans will work. So the question is, do I trust him to get me through even when it becomes uncomfortable? even when it doesn't make sense. Do you think it made sense when God asked Noah to build an ark and to be ridiculed for 120 years when there wasn't any place to go float that silly thing on? But God says, trust me. And he was saved. What about Job? We know the story of Job. He lost his hired help. He lost his livestock. He lost all of his children. Do you think that was Job's plan? He can get up one day and says, Well, I sure hope today I'm going to lose everything that I ever had, including my kids. So here he is, plunged into the depths of great grief and pain. But here's something that doesn't seem to make sense. Job 42, verses 10 to 13, and then verses 16 and 17. It says this. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers all his sisters, and all those who had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons. And three daughters. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. Now, to the rest of us, we were living outside of Job's family. We see that and we say, boy, God really blessed you. He gave you more than what you had before, before you lost. And He even gave you ten children to take the place of the ten that you lost. Let me ask a question. For those of you that have lost children by death, is any new child going to be able to take the place of the one that died? There's no way. So if you're inside Job's family, they're still, I mean, they're grateful probably that they had the children and they can see the grandchildren but it still doesn't take the place of the ones they lost but maybe you got to step back even farther to see the bigger picture you see job trusted the salvation of his lost children to god So by faith, even though the new children can't take the place of the ones that he lost, by faith he can say, I'm going to have all my children on the resurrection day. Praise God. See, that's what you've got to do is look way above and beyond and look from heaven's view of God's plan. God will overcome. Overcome. Job never knew the dialogue that took place between God and Satan in heaven. We we have had that advantage. But Job got to a point where he trusted God with everything. And that's what we have to do. What about Jesus? Jesus' life gives us another example. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Do you ever stop to think in the Garden of Gethsemane? When Jesus was in that garden, do you remember what He prayed? If there's any other way, The agony was there. Physical, mental agony was taking place. He's in the darkness. The weight of mankind's sins is upon his shoulders as if he was the only sinner. And he's there and he's feeling this and he's saying, look, the humanness of me is saying, I need an escape. I need to get out of this time of trouble. But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. See, we've got to use him as the example. That was a time of trouble. That was a time of trouble that was very heavy upon him. And and here he is, one of his disciples is going to betray him. And his religious leaders are coming to be able to capture him. And they don't want him to live, they want him to die. Brothers and sisters, in the time of trouble before Jesus comes, the people are going to come and they're going to say to God's people, I don't want them to live. I want them to die. There's a death decree that's going to go out for anyone who's following God. So I've got to be like Jesus. Do I trust my heavenly Father so much that he, I know He's going to see me through? Selfishness versus unselfishness is the real issue at hand. Whether we choose to submit to God's plan or not will depend on whether we believe God's way is best and that his promises are true. It might bring pain and suffering, but do I see the bigger picture and say ultimately God's Way will triumph over evil. Time of trouble, says Daniel. Time of trouble is coming. God told Daniel in order to let us know that it will happen. It's a part, believe it or not, it's a part of the plan that's going to take place to be able to reveal to the world Those who truly believe and trust in God versus those who don't. We may not understand how going through these things are going to benefit anyone. But then at the time Job was going through his experience, he probably didn't see how his experience would be a blessing to anyone. And yet many of us can see and relate to Job when we read about his life. All of this becomes very practical for us in the end times because what if God has something similar to the cross where we're going to have to stand against government officials, apostate religious leaders, and suffer death like Jesus? That's a lot to ask of us, isn't it? But Jesus was willing to go through that. The martyrs were willing to go through that. What if God asked us to go through what Job went through? Losing material assets, our homes, our jobs. Do you know if we have to flee to the country, we're going to have to leave our homes, our jobs, our friends, our family. Can that really be a blessing? When I look at the ultimate picture, it can be. I, I have to understand that I need to cling to Jesus, and He's going to make me get through. And somehow, some way, I don't know how He's going to do it. He doesn't give me all the details of my life, but somehow, some way, even if I'm martyred, I still have eternal life. Do I believe that? Will it benefit anyone? That's up to the Holy Spirit. There are many people right now, because they take a stand for Christianity, are being persecuted, even today. We're sitting here in great freedom. Sitting here nice and comfortable in a nice church. Not worried about what other people think we're doing. We're just sitting here and praising God. But there are people who are praising God in secret Because they can't worship any other way. Or they'll be persecuted. And maybe even killed. Yet they cling by faith to Jesus. We can't go on our own strength. No matter how strong we are. We'll never make it. Human effort is not enough to get through the time of trouble. We need to le- learn this advice. In John, I can't even see it there. Hold on a minute. I think it's John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. Jesus says, For without me, you can do nothing. I can't do it on my own strength. My focus must be on my relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a plan for me. He has set a plan for my life. He just forgot to tell me what all was going to be. And sometimes that plan hurts. Sometimes I have to face things I don't want to see. It shows my weakness. That's just it. I have to realize that I am really weak. I don't have the strength, but Christ has the strength. All that happens to you within this life is to train you to be unselfish and to teach us to have the kind of faith that we're going to need to get through to the end. And most of the time we don't know. We won't respond to that unless if it hurts. Don't you think God would like to give to you a nicer way that would be easier and more comfortable? Sure he would. But we don't listen then. Sometimes we've got to go and have the rug pulled out from under us. And then when we're falling... We're saying, Lord, help me. He says, I've always been there. I'm willing to help. I always have been. Desire of Ages, page 208. The Son, Jesus, can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. The priests and rabbis were taking The Son of God to task for the very work He had been sent into the world to do. Do you see the opposition? By their sins, they had separated themselves from God, and in their pride were moving independently of Him. They felt sufficient in themselves for all things and realized no need of a higher wisdom to direct their acts but the son of god was surrendered to the father's will and depended upon his power so utterly was christ emptied of self that he made no plans for himself he accepted god's plans for him and day by day the father unfolded his plans So should we depend upon God that our lives may be the simple outworking of his will. What you're going to go through the rest of this day, if you are committed to God, he's going to allow things to happen to help get you ready for the soon coming of Jesus. You may not like it. You may want to be like the Pharisees and say, whoa, wait a minute here, I don't want to go that way. And then when you do that, you are independent. You are no longer dependent upon God's will to be done. You are independent of that, and you're going to be the master of your life, and you're going to fail. His way is best. Jesus, if He emptied Himself every day and accepted what the will of His Father was for that day... He says, I want you to do the same thing every day within your life. Because it's going to be the best for you. The Pharisees, they don't like that. Their acts of rebellion separated them from God. But Jesus, He was willing to give up self and to accept and submit to His Father's plan. On a daily basis. Steps to Christ. Page 70. Consecrate yourself. To God in the morning. Make this your very first work. Let your prayer be. Take me, O Lord. As holy thine. I lay all my plans at thy feet. Use me today in thy service. Abide with me and let all my work be wrought in thee. This is a daily matter. Each morning, consecrate yourself to God for that day. Surrender all your plans to Him to be carried out or given up as His providence shall indicate. Thus, day by day, you may be giving your life into the hands of God and thus your life will be molded more and more after the life of Christ. Now, if I'm going to become more like Christ, which is the ultimate goal, isn't it? If I'm going to become more like Christ, how's the world going to treat me? How did they treat Christ? Wasn't very good, was it? So you see... When I become more like Christ, why some of the problems comes within my life? Why should I tell God, I want another way. The only other way is to be like the rest of the world and be lost. I want to be like Christ, even though the world may turn against me. Revelation 14, verse 12. Here's a description of those who are going to go through the time of trouble. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God. And have the faith. It doesn't say in Jesus. It says have the faith of Jesus. I must be willing to surrender my daily plans to the Heavenly Father like Jesus. It's my choice. Not what I selfishly want. That doesn't matter. Not my plans. My plans won't work. But I want God's plans and his will to be done in my life so that I can be saved. Do you know how much we need our Heavenly Father? We need him every hour. We're going to have our singers come up here again for a song. They're going to sing. It's going to be kind of our prayer of consecration. I need thee every hour as they're singing, I want you to be praying to have God do his will within your life. This is your prayer of consecration to be willing to do that. Oh. We do need our God every hour. This group that's sang here today come from the Mount Rubidoux Church and uh, they've got quite a ministry where they go to a lot of churches to be able to sing, to share their talent and to bless churches, whether big or small. They also would like to have a request, by the way, a couple of them are grandchildren of Ethelene and Clarence Dillard who, sorry, couldn't be here today. Couldn't work out a schedule for them to be here to hear their own grandchildren sing. There's a group, Maranatha has a, a group where they help not only, we know Maranatha helps all over the world, they even help the young people to learn to be able to work and do the Lord's work all over. So as you leave today, we're going to have a benediction. As you leave today, there will be deacons at the doors to take up an offering if you want to give to be able to go for this Maranatha mission and so that uh, all people, all ages, would be able to... to um, do the will and to share the gospel in parts of the world that sometimes we can't even go. You and I can't go. It's not in our God's plan for us, but it can be in the plan for them. We'd like to have you give if you so feel inclined to do so. Let's bow our heads. Oh, Lord, forgive us when we do our plan. Forgive us when we want our way. Humble us when we walk away from you, no longer dependent, but becoming independent. It's not the way to go. Let us see the bigger, larger, huge, heavenly picture. And to realize and to trust that what we're going to go through is actually going to better prepare us. For that soon coming, going through the time of trouble, we do need thee, today, right now, in Jesus' name, amen.